Psalms 127, verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. And let's finish together on verse 5. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Psalm 127 is, is just five verses, but it's a psalm of a family psalm. It was one of the psalms that were sung by God's people preparing their hearts to worship. You see the longest psalm in our Bible is Psalms 119. The very next psalm, 120 through Psalms 134, are psalms of ascent that would be sung by God's people in preparation for their hearts to worship, and they would come to Jerusalem, usually do that, or if they went to the temple, they would stand on each of the steps and sing the song in preparation. It's where you have songs like, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Or uh, Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. But these are two psalms, 127, 28. They're family psalms where a family together would look to worship in the Lord. Now, you think it was written for Solomon, probably from David, and he's challenging him on several things. And I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but I do want to talk a little bit about righteousness in regards to the home and parenting. We'll start this morning, and we'll come back this evening and conclude that. This is the last Sunday night of September. And the following month, we'll talk a little bit about being a preacher of righteousness and what God wants for us to do in sharing the gospel and preparing others to do the same thing. But uh, Psalm 127, the Bible says it begins that, uh, about building a house. It speaks of the construction of God. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And it speaks of the construction that God has. God made the home. Every home really needs two funerals and one wedding. (laughs) Two people need to die to themselves and submit to the Lord. Pride and selfishness are destructive in a home. But the home is built by the wisdom of God. God made one man with one woman... They would come together, the byproduct of their love would be children. That's the home. One of the challenges today, and one of the Black Lives Matters, and we believe every life matters, and yes, Black Lives Matters, and Asian Lives Matters, and everybody matters to God. Now, there are obviously some injustices in the world, and those are sad things, and some of you may be more familiar with that than others. And I have no problem with that particular thought. What I have a problem with is the rest of their statement. Their mission statement speaks of of a promotion of transgender, queer, bisexual, transsexual, uh, homosexual, uh, lesbianism. It's just a promotion of that. They made sure to put those in there because they knew they would have the money and the power in order to push that. Another sad thing about it is one of their things, which may have been taken off of their statement in recent days off the website, it was to destroy or to eliminate the nuclear family. The nuclear family meaning a man, 
and a woman with children. Well, but first of all, friends, the nuclear family is a divine idea. A man who is supposed to dwell with his wife, to know his wife, and to love his wife. That is, that's a responsibility of the man in a nuclear family. That's God's plan. You can read about being a husband. God calls a man in the relationship of a home a husband. He is the, he's the farmer of the home. He's the one who's in charge, the manager. And his three jobs are primarily to dwell with his wife, to know his wife, to spend time with her, to know her, to love her, to, to protect her, and to love her. That's God's plan for the husband. Well, obviously the devil's going to, going to uh, have a heyday in that area. He wants to get men, instead of dwelling, be absent. Instead of being there, be gone, be aloof. Instead of being knowledgeable of what's going on in the home with the wife and the children, he wants them to be a, a goof. Many years ago, there was a filthy sitcom called Married with Children. Most every kind of a home that there is that is, that is in, the, in the sitcom industry always makes the husband look like a doof, some idiot, some pervert. And then, uh, then oftentimes the wife the same way. It's just a, it's a mockery of God's plan for the home. God wants the man to be someone who knows what's going on in the family, who spends time with the family, and who genuinely loves God and loves those who call him husband and father. For the wife, God says, I want them to have a spirit of meekness. Not a self-will, not my way or the highway, but a spirit of meekness, adjusting to another's pace or agenda. Of a, a spirit of peace, not tore up on the inside, but a faith trusting the Lord, and a spirit of attention. God, I think, wants the wife to be attentive, meek. Submissive is another word. It's not a bad word. It's a biblical word, but they even uses a more of a word called subjection, coming underneath, adjusting to another's pace or agenda with a heart that's a confidence that it's not in her husband, the confidence is not in her kids and her position, but in the Lord. How can a lady submit to some husband who's not always all what they ought to be? Because they trust the Lord. They have a right relationship with the Lord, and women are given the responsibility to give attention to their wives, or to their husbands, and to their children. Attention. Many times, ladies are so distracted in our day and time. They're called soccer moms. They're running here and there, and they're excited about showing everybody on the world of what's going on in their lives at the expense of the kids. They're screaming and hollering in the background, and they're trying to show someone how they made something in the, food, in the kitchen. And the kids need attention. There's no attention. The husband oftentimes is not a, not a given attention, but that is kind of got what God put together. He put a husband to dwell, to know, and to love. Put a wife to be me to be submissive, but also to give attention. For children, God said this, I want you to obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Young people, you listen to me, you sit up straight, look in here. You cannot be right with God and wrong with your mom and dad. 
Submission, obedience to your parents. God wants kids to listen, to hearken to your father, hearken to your mother. Many of you, you just, you just, you just, you just kind of, what your parents say goes off water off a, buck, off a duck's back. You don't pay attention. You hear them, but you don't listen. We'll see this tonight in Proverbs chapter 3, where the Bible tells us, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep thy commandments. People will do what they have to. You're rebelliously compliant. Just as long as you don't get mom and dad too fired up, you'll do what they want them to do, but your heart is not in it. You still want, you still got an angle, what you want to do. But God made children, he says, children, I want you, number one, to listen, to obey. Number two, I want you to listen with your heart. Listen with, with your being. How you think, how you feel, and what you want is not yours, it's, it's, it's submitted to your parents. The Bible tells us, children, you want to have peace. You want it to be well with you. That doesn't happen because you want that. You need to learn to submit to your mom and dad. Honor them. Some of the greatest ways to honor your parents is when you're not with them. I think a child should say to their parents, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I don't think you should go to your room and close your door. I don't think, I don't think you, should, you should be, if your parents say, come down and eat, stop what you're doing and go down and eat. They say, clean your room. Stop what you're doing and clean your room. Get off your stupid phone and clean your room. Do what you're supposed to. Respond immediately. Respond, sweet, respond sweetly. And respond completely. Whatever they've asked you to do, do that. They're the ones that found your mouth when you couldn't find it. They're the ones who are the reason you're still sucking air. Remember that and submit to them. Because God wants fathers and husbands to be there, to know what's, what's going on in their family, and to love them accordingly to the Scriptures. He wants women to be meek, yielded to another's agenda, submissive and also attentive to the needs of the, of the husband and the children. And then he wants children to obey, to listen, and to bring joy. Every child ought to ask themselves, is my dad a glad dad? A wise son makes a glad father. A foolish son is a heaviness to his mother. You, some of you, bless your heart, it's all about you, and your mother's walking around with a cinder block on her shoulder and her chest, because you can't figure it out. You're selfish, you're self-centered, and every time they hear about you, they hear about your bad grades, they hear about your smart mouth, they hear, they, then when you come in, what's, what's to eat, and then you go off to your room. You dishonor your mom and dad, and you don't bring them joy. The Bible says he that, that gives a wise son will have joy of him. We put that verse on the, on our tomb, on the tombstone, on the marker of our son Tyler. And when I read Proverbs chapter 23, verse 24, it said, He that begetteth the wise son will have joy of him. I thought, you know, that's what we have with Tyler. He wasn't a perfect son. He had his problems. He was not always obedient. But as a large part, God gave us 17 years with a boy who brought us joy. I would like to think that that's what I do with my mom. My dad. So I'd like to, you do. By the way, we have this command as long as we're alive, not as long as our parents are alive. My dad's been with the Lord for over 25 years, but I still have a responsibility to honor him. 
Your mama may be dead. She may be with the Lord. You still have responsibility to honor them. That's a lifetime responsibility given to us. And we do that by bringing joy to them. Well, God gave us wisdom for the Christian home. He says, first of all, accept the Lord, build the house. If, if you don't go with his structure, because the God is the grand architect, the Holy Spirit is that contractor that uses the word of God. He uses, he uses uh, the church of the Lord to begin to build these structures. You're not going to hear teaching like this in, in every place. You're not going to hear it in psychology. You're not going to hear it at, at Purdue Northwest. You're not going to hear it at IU. You're not going to hear it in pop psychology. Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil doesn't have a, have a clue. You're not going to hear it in a lot of places. You're going to hear it right from God's Word. Get the wisdom from God's Word. These are the, these are the players for the home. He said, unless you go with my strategy, unless you go with my architecture, unless you go with my plan, like my master architecture, you're not going to, you, you, except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that build it. Number two, except the Lord watch the city, they watch and wake up in vain. That speaks not only the construction of God and his wisdom, but the protection of God and his presence and his power. Listen, I think many of us spend far too much time worrying, worrying about this and worrying about that. And we need to take our care and make it prayer and trust the all-knowing God. He said, look, you can stay up all night and worry and fret and chew on the bread of sorrows, but you're wasting your time. Because God is the protection, is trusting his protection. And then we find the relaxation. I love the song that was sung this morning. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. Look at verse number two. Would you read it with me out loud together? Psalm 127, verse number two, read it out loud. Are you ready? It is vain for you to rise up early. He said, it's, it's vain, it's empty of us to sit up late at night, wake up early in the morning, still worrying about the same thing, eating the bread of sorrows. Now, God will sometimes allow sorrows into our life, and you've got to contemplate them, you've got to deal with them. But, uh, but to eat the bread of sorrows and chew on them continually, he said, look, don't you understand? God has given relaxation to a home. You know how he gives relaxation to a home? He gives it to the dad who learns to take his care and make it prayer. Listen, let me tell you something. Wherever you work, you, you ought to do your work, not as a men pleaser, but as unto the Lord. Well, I work for this person. Well, you, you need to make sure that you work for God first. Don't, don't count on a company to provide your sources. You count on the Lord to do that. And you can relax. Why? Because he loves you. One thing that God wants to uh, make sure that you're all convinced of is that he loves you. He tells us in every page of the Bible, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's never I love you, I love you not. It's I love you, I love you, I love you. And Satan, the very first time uh, that he opens his mouth in the Bible, he's questioning the love and the care of God. When Jesus was baptized, he was so happy. By the way, if you're saved, you ought to get baptized. But when Jesus got baptized, here's what, here's what the Father said. This is my beloved, What? And whom I am, oh, he's brought me joy. This is my boy. You know the first thing that Satan said to Jesus after that? If thou be the, oh, if you are the son, he really loves you. If you're really who, you, who, who God just said you were. 
You know, Satan does that. He makes you think, you know, I don't care. God might love me a little bit, not like everybody else. If he loved me, he would provide this for me, or I would have this, or I wouldn't be in this situation. That's all junk. God loves you. And the love of God brings a relaxation. A husband who loves brings a more relaxed wife. A father who loves brings a more relaxed children. A mother who loves brings much more peace to that home. And when you know your love, then you can be a funnel of God's love. But then the Bible tells us in the next verse, look at verse number three, low children are an heritage of the Lord. I have a friend named Brother Mike Ray. I don't know how tall Brother Mike is, but I would say he's less than five foot two, five foot three, five foot four. And he uses this verse as discrimination against tall people. He says, low children are a heritage of the Lord, not the tall ones, just the low ones. I have to argue with that. I tell him the wicked shall be cut off. (laughs) He's saying with him expression, hey, listen, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Let me just tell you something real quickly, folks. Hey, kids are a blessing and not a burden. Don't be an idiot. If you see someone that has five kids, don't say, what are you doing? Don't you know where the television is? Shut up. No, children are not a burden. They're a blessing. Not everyone can have children. Not everyone's supposed to have a lot of kids. But I'm telling you, I I really feel like the more I think about this, the more I realize this. If I can trust God with my eternal destiny, can I trust him with my family size? Do I have to control everything? Do I think I can control everything? And oftentimes people want to control everything. And we're taught that. We're administered that. Let me just tell you something. Children are a blessing from the Lord. So I just can't afford them. They're not yours, Spanky. He didn't say they're your heritage. And if they're his, he can take care of them. Well, I was raised with a lot of kids, and I don't want that to ever happen to anybody else. We were so poor. It probably helped you. Probably made you a little bit better of a person. But God takes care. He's the provider. Children are not a burden. They're a blessing. It grieves me when I see how many people are, are trying to control that. And they go to abortion clinics and, and, and take the life of a child. It's amazing. I spent a little bit of time in a wildlife uh, preserve this week. And, oh, they're so concerned about keeping the animals alive and, and making sure that we're preserving this planet for all the animals. But the same people will go abort a baby in a heartbeat. You take an eagle egg out of a, you take an eagle, an American eagle egg out of his, out of his nest and do something and just destroy it, you're going to go to jail for a long time. Take an, a baby out of a mother's womb and they'll, they'll applaud you. Oh, you're, you're, you're respecting the planet. Something's wrong there. We've got talked into thinking that children are a burden. No, once again, we see the construction, the wisdom of God. We see the protection of God. We see the relaxation, knowing the love of God. And then we see that we see the procreation that God says, hey, listen, children, they're my heritage. The fruit of the womb is is my reward. You think of some of the words that you see there. Look, if you would please, at verse number three, just some important words. Children, heritage, the Lord, fruit. Womb, reward. 
Then we see not only that, we see the, 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 the preparation of God, the plan of God. Preparation. Look at verse number four. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. The Bible calls children, or first children, as an illustration here, as arrows. Arrows in the hand of a mighty man. They, they're, they're in his youth, and they, they are arrows that are made for two things, used for provision and protection. But arrows have to be shaped. They have to be formulated, and that's a lifetime, and it's challenging. Parents, uh, I... Uh, I am a parent uh, nine times over, and I love our kids. I'm very thankful for our children. But it's not easy competing with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then competing with me. My own time, that failure on my part, not to, not to be there, not to know them, not to dwell with them, not to love them the way I should love them. There's a lot of wisdom involved. And there are some benefits of that. I want to give some of the benefits. First of all, when, it, when you give when our responsibilities, and I'll give them to you quickly, because I think these are, these are important things to understand. First of all, I would say, parents, we ought to trust the Lord for the provision, the protection of our child. We ought to trust the Lord. The more faith you have, the better wisdom you're going to have. Faith is the most important thing about us. So for those of us who have children, those of you who have grandchildren, we ought, to, we ought to ask God, we ought to trust Him for the provision. We ought to, number two, we ought to remember the sacred trust. Those children are not yours, they're His. And it's a trust that God's given us. It's like if, if, if an owner of a store or an owner of a restaurant gave you the restaurant and said, listen, I want, to, I want to entrust you with this. Well, then you'd probably take it very seriously. We ought to realize that those kids belong to the Lord. You know, that's why... The Bible tells us in, in Isaiah 54, verse number 13, and thy children shall be taught the Lord, and great will be the peace of your children. Well, giving your children the word of God, teaching them the Bible, exposing them to the word of God, extremely important. It's a sacred trust. I would say it also as parents, and I'll hasten here, we ought to pray fervently for their children. One man said, it was a German proverb, if you have many children, you have many prayers. If you have many prayers, you have many blessings. I've been thinking about that, just asking the Lord to help our children. I can't, I can't uh, control them. I can control some things to do. I can control some influences, but I can't control their will. One thing God's made stronger than him, and that's you, and your will. Stronger than his will is yours. You and he gives us a will. We're not robots. We don't, I love God, I go to church, I will obey, I will forgive. No, no, no. He gives you those responsibilities. But prayer changes things. Prayer changes me. You have a child that's struggling, pray. Fast. Plead with God. I had a young man the other day tell me, he said, Pastor, since I was a little kid, my mother has prayed. If I ever do something wrong, please. Catch him. Expose him quickly, early in the process. Because, man, if there's anything I believe about my mother, she gets her prayers answered. Because I can't hardly do anything without getting in trouble. Because I always know it's my mom. But I don't mind it, Pastor. Shows me she loves me. She's willing to invest time in prayer. Pray fervently for your children. And then train them. The Bible says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't be hypocritical. 
but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Years ago, I was talking to a man, and his dad was a vibrant Christian. And he has three boys I knew, and all of them were vibrant Christians. And I asked him, I said, what did your dad do to help you guys have a heart for God? And he told me, well, my dad took us to games and did this, he did this. And then he stopped. He said, you know, hold on, hold on a second, John. I don't th- oh, he did a lot of good things, but it's not what my dad did. It's what he was that was the game changer. It was what my, he was consistent. He didn't provoke us to wrath because of hypocrisy. He was what he was at church is what he was at home. He wasn't selfish at church. He wasn't selfish at home. He was gracious to other people, strangers. He was gracious to my mom. He was what he was. Kids need to do that. And I think also, kids, just a reminder, your job is to bring joy, to listen, to honor, and obey your parents. And if we'll do our job and follow God's plan, he says, listen, you can have not only the construction of God, his wisdom, the protection of God, his presence and power, the relaxation of God, his love, You'll have the heritage of God, the procreation of the home. And by the way, God knows what's good for you. You can trust him. He knows your future. He knows where you live. You can trust him. Let God help you with that. He knows the preparation of the home, shaping the arrow so the arrows can fly straight. And he says here, the anticipation, the expectation is that your children will not embarrass you. They will speak with the enemies in the gate. They will outdo, and they'll do things. Because an arrow doesn't made to be kept in a quiver. It's made to be launched to make an impact where the archer cannot go. You know what our goal for our kids ought to be? is for God to use them. God to use them to make an impact someplace for the gospel where dad and mom can't go. We need to pray about that and ask God to help us. And you say, Pastor, ah, my kids are struggling, or I'm not really, I've kind of passed that age. I bought the T-shirt. What's done is done. I've made my errors. Why don't you pray fervently for somebody else's kid? Pray for a family. Pray for somebody else that God will help them follow the biblical pattern that God gave us.